Hey, you found us. Welcome to Comfortably Uncomfortable, Not Another Running Story. I'm Megan Fanning, and I'm joined by Sean Meehan. We created this podcast to continue the real conversations that we have when we get outside to run, bike, surf, climb, or whatever it is that you do. We love the real conversations when boundaries come down, because really, that's when it gets interesting. The information in this podcast represents the views and opinions of Zendurance Now Coaching. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical or psychological advice or treatment. We may be right, we may be wrong. Either way, be a solid human. If you're thinking about making questionable decisions, please seek out an appropriate professional. Hey, hey. We've got Sam Farnsworth in the house. Woot, woot. <laughs> Yay. So we are going to have fun today. We're probably not going to argue, Sean, because Sam is like, Sam is, I don't know what the metaphor we should use here. Sam is like, Sam's like the buffer that, that keeps us happy, I think. Or just, or if he's in a mood, he'll poke us just to have us argue for fun. But see, you don't, Sam doesn't seem like he's in that kind of mood today. No, Sam's just tired today from running around for the last, literally running around for the last three or four days. So, yeah. Yeah. So I get that. Cool. Yeah. I haven't seen Sean since I saw him in California. Yep. What so were we doing in California? That's Sam? what we're talking about today. Chasing your dreams. So yeah, so that's the uh, topic today. So Sean was at a major race in California and Sam was out there too, crewing his lovely daughter, Sophia. So um, so why don't one of you tell me where you were and why this mattered? Go ahead, Sean. So Sam and I were out in the great state of California I was running over the Sierra Nevadas mountains, cruising in, up and down some canyons, into the beautiful city of Auburn, covering 100 miles in super picturesque, gorgeous California weather um, at the Western States 100 Endurance Run, formerly known as the Tevis Cup which used to be a horse race. So who wants to give us the history of the Tevis Cup in Western States? Because we need to give we need to give background here. Uh, I'm sure that Sean is better equipped for that. So the Tevis Cup was a horse race that I think went from essentially from what is now known as Palisades Tahoe um, on the Western Stage Trail into Auburn. Now, I don't know the exact details of how long that race had existed. But anyways, one of the racers, Gordy Ainsley, uh, his horse came up lame and decided he wanted to do the race anyways. So he attempted to run it. He DNF'd his first time running it, but then completed it the next time out on foot. And um, he had like stashed some caches along the way because there weren't aid stations and such, um, and was better prepared to to complete it on foot. 
I think at that time it was only actually 94 miles. Um, covers much of the same course as the current status of the Western States 100, which is exclusively a foot race and does not coincide with the horse race anymore, which it used to, um, and has been lengthened out to a full 100 miles. Um, I think the race that Sam was supposed to do a couple weeks ago is the last remaining of the horse. And what race was that? That exist. Vermont 100. So have you seen those? Have you seen those trails in Vermont? I mean, I know it's a mess here, but I can't even imagine the washout and the destruction. Um, I mean, Sean's probably seen them, but the I had friends that were up in Woodstock and they were saying the weekend that we would have run, all of the dirt roads were completely saturated and were just all mud. Um, and wow. there were washouts and flooding of some of the roads. But I mean, Sean, you've been up there. Yeah. So, I mean, Woodstock got hit, uh, Ludlow, Kimo, Mount Pelier. Uh, some of the smaller towns outside of that, like Proctorsville, um, Cavendish, there's there's a lot of road washouts. Um, I mean, could could the 100 have gone on? Vermont 100, that is. Probably. Would it have been in poor taste? Probably. Um, it's just, you know, the idea of stealing resources from yeah. people that really needed it. Um, but at that same time, like same, same other, other side of that, uh, coin is that that's a probably pretty big economic boom to those, those towns of Windsor and Heartland and, um, I mean, not Woodstock, Woodstock's fine without, without the Western States 100, but those other two, three small towns that, that, that you guys run through, it's pretty big. Yeah, I mean, you can appreciate this, Megan. I think all the emergency resources were diverted elsewhere. So yeah, there, right. would, there would have been no support for the race. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was cool. The race committee, they they had all the money spent by the time, you know, you're a week out. And they took all the catered food and donated that. Um, a oh, lot good. of people okay. that were going to awesome. volunteer at the race, volunteer to clean up programs and stuff. So, but... Yeah, so so it goes, you know. I think when it started raining, I it looked like it was a good chance that was going to happen. So yeah. I yeah. just I have I have to save my hundred mile dreams for a couple more months. But we have to talk about Sean's yeah. nine year old yeah. dream of getting into yeah. Western. Yeah, States. so so Western states, and maybe you guys have a better comparison. It's sort of like the Super Bowl of endurance running, right? Yeah. Like it's the, would, it's the race. I would say Western States is the Super Bowl of endurance running 100 milers. Yeah. Much the way like and then I would say UTMB is probably the World Cup mm-hmm. of the same. Um but yeah, so Western This States has been is, this has been your dream for how many years, Sean? Um I have been in the lottery for Western States since I ran my second hundred miler, um, which was 2015, 14, 15. And I've done a qualifier every year. Originally, Western States qualifiers, you had to 
put a qualifier in every year, otherwise you lost your your tickets. So you gain an exponential amount of tickets the longer you're in the lottery. Um, okay, let's backtrack. Why is there a lottery? Well, Western States 100 is such a popular race that there is between 8,000 and 10,000 people that apply to do the race every year. And there's only about 350 to 400 spots available to run the race. So if you do the math there, it doesn't quite add up. Um, so they created a lottery system. Then they created a weighted lottery system so that the longer that you're in the lottery, the better chance you have of um, getting picked. And that lottery system originally was, like I said, if you lost, if you didn't apply one year, you started over at scratch. And then the board realized that that's probably pretty unfair to females if they want to go about having a family at some point, because they'd probably lose a year by having child, like a child. So they allowed for a single year deferment. As the races continue to grow in popularity, like I said, that number is growing to like 8,000 to 10,000 applicants a year. They have since done away with the single year deferment and you keep your tickets as long as you do not get picked in the lottery. As long, and, and every time you apply to the lottery, you gain an additional exponential amount of tickets. One year is one ticket, two years is two tickets, three years is eight tickets, four tickets, eight tickets, 16, 32, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So your, your name got called in the lottery. So start us there. Like, how'd you feel? Where were you? What was going on? Did you flip know. out? I didn't know where I was. Well, when did you find out? I don't know. A bunch of people texted me. Oh, and? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, so, <laughs> so this is, so this year I applied for, like I do every lottery season, I applied for Hard Rock, Western States, UTMB. Um, and I've been applying for Western States for a long time, UTMB not as long, because UTMB's list of qualifiers is different, and the way they used to do things is different. Um, Hard Rock, it just doesn't matter, because it's, their weighted lottery system is a mythical pony of some sort. Um, but, but anyways, long story short, so, so I had purchased concert tickets for Dead End Company's final tour back in October prior to race registration for the lottery. Um, and when the dates were officially announced, one of the dates for the tickets, um, they overlapped the weekend. So I was pretty sure I was going to get in because of that. And I did. Um, there you go. But yeah, I mean, I was excited. I mean, as soon as that got figured out, then it was waiting to see if it was going to be a Western States UTMD, UTMB double and how that was going to play out um you know what i'm trying to get at with you is you're like 
you're saying this like you're telling me what you ate for dinner last night. Like, this is freaking exciting. This is really, this is your goal. Like, I want to shake you and be like, Sean, <laughs> like, this yeah. is a big deal for you. Look, look, and, on, look, look on my Strava. It doesn't say Western States 100. It says afternoon run or morning run. Like, that's just, that's just who I am. Yes, it is. That's who you are. But at the same time, um, you've wanted this for a long time. Yeah. It was, I and mean, it wasn't, it wasn't not a big deal. This is a huge deal for you. No, for sure. It was absolutely yeah. 100% um, a big deal. And I made, um, I sent text to, you know, several people saying, you know, like, are you coming out to crew and pace? Is this like, is this, is this what you want to do? Um, Cause there's, there's three or four like really good friends that I have um, that I wanted out there to share that with me besides my family. Um, my, um, planned on, on going out there. My sister-in-law just moved out to California. And so we were going to kind of make it a, a family, family affair, go out to California, um, spend the time out there and then, um, you know, race a hundred miles in between it. Nice. So and try and get Sam, it done before our 20th, my, my, my wife's 20th wedding anniversary. Yeah. You got priorities there. So, so Sam, how'd you get out there? I got out there. So Sean alluded to this, but obviously the more times you enter, the, the better chance you have of getting in. I mean, that's the simplified version of the, the exponential number of tickets. But I got out there with my daughter. My daughter got in her second year applying. And um, and she got in, she was waitlisted originally. So, um, but she was, I think, number 18 on the waitlist, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. And previous years, they'd taken mm-hmm. up to 60 people off the yep. waitlist. So she was pretty sure, I think within a week of her finding that out, we had reserved an Airbnb. So we were, you know, all in from the beginning. She, and uh, yeah, so we offered to be her crew. She accepted. Um, And uh, yeah, we just, she held on, I think hired a coach for the first time in her running career. Well, no, she worked with you, Megan, for a little bit, but this was like a six month commitment with a guy starting in January. And um, she, uh, you know, did all the work and uh, um, had a little bit of a scare about a month out. She really, she hurt her back pretty badly. Couldn't you know, couldn't get around for about And she three has days. back issues long-term, right? I mean, I remember yeah. working with her on those, so. Yeah, a little bit of un- instability on one side, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, but this was as bad as it's been. And oh. so, you know, that threw a wrench into it, but she was moving again within a week and able to run yeah. within a week. And I don't think really lost any fitness. And um and I think somewhere it was about April. She was at a show. I think she was at a goose show. And uh, like, you know, 10 o'clock at night or something, she gets the text or email that says you're off the wait list and you're in the race. So that was about two months out. She knew she was in. And uh, yeah, so we went out there with 
her friend Brian, and he was their print principal pacer, and we were crew and support for her. So we got to see it from a little bit of a different angle than Sean did. And this is why, I mean, I'm excited to to talk to you guys today because, I mean, we've talked a little bit like in text, but I haven't talked to either of you about your experience out there. So, and I haven't been to Western States um, as a runner or as crew. So I'm eager to hear like how it went down in both sides of both sides of the race, like what it's like to be a runner and what it's like to be crewing for somebody you love. So I guess let's do, let's do this. Let's talk about first off the end result of the race. All right. So, and then we can, we can kind of work backwards, I think. So goal, a goal was sub 24. I think that's Mm -hmm. most people's a goal given any set of circumstances. And that was definitely my a goal. And, you know, if you were to ask me how the race was, the race was great until it wasn't. Um, About mile 82, I started throwing up and I could, couldn't get it back together for whatever fucking reason. Did you, what did you do? Did you take any Zofran? What did you, what did you do? Dude, I had, I, I started eating Zofran at like mile 45 probably. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, it can only do so much. Yeah. <laughs> can only do so much. Yeah. It, and and I don't know if it was like push too hard. I mean, like I like replay like what it was. Everything was according to training plan. Everything was felt like I was running within myself. And then it's just a, it's a hundred fucking miles. Like shit goes wrong sometimes. Yeah. And and you know factor in Sean. You know you start at what was it like <clears throat> 7,000 feet climb up to 9,000 feet and yeah. you know you're you're at altitude for the first 30 or 40 miles before you start bouncing up and down through the canyons right and it was a freaking hot I mean it was I don't remember what our weather was in June but it was it was a hot day it was dry but there were it was hot so not, there were hot. Some not, for, not hot for western states but it was yeah um, yeah not for western it wasn't yeah it wasn't but it was but you guys also had snow yep yeah so it was hot but there was snow so for people who don't know about this race um please ex- please explain how we can have hot temperatures and you guys are also running through snow so western state starts in what used to be known as Squaw Ski Area. It's now known as Palisades, Tahoe, um, right outside of Lake Tahoe, uh, south of Truckee, north of Tahoe City on the northern side of um, Lake Tahoe. And it runs west, um, dropping out of the Sierra Nevadas, like into Auburn. Um, like Sam said, it starts about six, nine, six, eight, uh, climbs up to just under 9,000 feet and then drops down rather continuously and at times aggressively to about 2,000 feet. Um, Now, East Coasters typically have a real hard time with this race um, 
for several reasons. One, we don't train at altitude. We're not usually very accustomed to altitude. And though it's not being above 10K for an extended period of time, um, you can feel it at you can feel it at six, and you can definitely feel it at eight. Um, Especially on the uphills. Yeah. Um, and California, for the first time in a lot of years, has had a, a record snowfall year. Um, most of the ski areas in California got blasted with snow from Los Angeles all the way up to, you know, all the way up to Truckee. Um, so Palisades Tahoe, I think, recorded greater than 700, 700 inches of snow at high camp. Um, and if you're trying to figure out what 700 inches of snow is, it's a lot of feet. That's all that you need. <laughs> it's a lot. You basically were running through snow for part of it. Yeah. It's over oh. 60 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, most of it, so a lot of it had melted off um, prior to the race, as the race starts in the end of June. But Palisades Tahoe had a ski party on the 4th of July, which is the following weekend. Yeah. So, so enough snow to ski. So your stomach started going south in, you know, mile 40-ish, but yeah. by 82... 82 was when it got really bad or 84? 82. 82, 82. I threw up. Yeah, okay. so. Well, sometimes that throw up, and I don't mean no, to sound 100%. masochistic, but sometimes it helps. It's like a reset. And people yeah. that don't do these races don't understand. But sometimes when you can finally throw up, it's a relief because your stomach is empty and you can reset. But it sounds like Sam is on to some significant points with the elevation changes and your body was just not resetting, it sounds like. Yeah. Sometimes you can puke and rally. I was not fortunate. Um, so, anyways, before we get into like the logistics, to, to get back to that point. So, I, at mile 82, you're climbing out of, essentially, out of the American River Valley. Um, and I pass, I pass this kid. I've been like, leapfrogging this kid i pass him in his pacer at mile 82 and immediately this is, i wasn't five steps in front of him before i pulled off the side of the trail and just started losing it on the side of the trail um and then from that point forward i had a hard time getting food in without being super nauseous i had a hard time pushing faster than a, a casual walk without being nauseous most of the time running was pretty much off the table. Uh, aggressive hiking was hard to do. Not, my legs, like legitimately, like my legs felt fine. My, um, my head was definitely not in a super awesome space after that, but um, my legs felt, I, I went and ran days afterwards, like it was nothing, um, but, my stomach couldn't hold anything in. I tried broth, broth with rice, flat Coke, flat ginger did ale. You keep, did you keep vomiting or was your stomach just upset after that point? Um, I dry, like every time I would like, I would start to dry heave or like heave. Yeah. Gotcha. 
I didn't. Nothing I looked, else I, came up after that, but. I did see, I mean, one of the great, you know, crewing, I got to see Sean mm-hmm. all the way through the race, too. At all Sean race. and Sophia were, were very close. They were about, it, it ended up about an hour apart. And yeah, that for, for crewing, yeah. That, yeah, that's that's close. <laughs> Maybe not racing, but, thought, but yeah, crewing, yeah. But I saw Sean at mile 95, and he was a little rough, but he still had a good sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? I got to say, that describes Sean as my friend. He's a little rough, but he's got a great sense of humor. <laughs> you don't even have to be on Western States to get, to get that. That's how you always are. <laughs> were, you, were you at Rocky Chucky? What, did you see me at Rocky Chucky? Yes. Did did you did Jesse tell you about how I yelled at him? Uh no. Oh, so I came in. We were coming into Rocky Chucky, and my stomach had gone probably after after Cal two. My stomach was was in trouble, but I was holding on, and we were we were still running. And Jesse and was. It's pacing. all downhill from there down to Rocky Chucky, right? Yeah. <laughs> On the bowl, downhill. Yeah. Um, it was it was more I mean, it was a lot of running, a bullish terrain. Um and Jesse's like, Oh, we're like I'm like holding on by a thread. And Jesse's like, Oh, we're like we're like a, a, maybe a mile, half a mile, because you can hear the river. You because you're running along it for, for a while. You can hear it. And he's like, we're like, we're like almost there. We're almost at half mile, half mile to the A station. And I was like, I know how fucking far we are from the A station. Shut the fuck up. And uh, and Jesse was just like, whoop. And he's and we get to we get to Rocky Chucky. He grabs me. He's like, I'm done with him. He's yours. <laughs> <laughs> with when you. I, I apologize to him like immediately after I said I'm sorry that was like out of out of out of hand that was aggressive. Um, yeah, but. And, but for those that don't get it, Sean, I know I've done this to you. I've done it to my husband. I'm trying to think what other crew members crewing for somebody that's doing an endurance event. I think is like taking care of a sick petulant child, and you need them to eat you're like yeah you're like begging them to eat and they have attitude and this person's like taking care of you but we get so cranky that so when people ask me about crewing i'm like you just you just have to have a thick skin and you have to just be able to be where they are and and adapt and know that they're going to be funny and they're going to be nice and they're going to be asshats and 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 then circle all around it's going to happen again so so pretty normal because Sean, I remember I went off on you one time like that. I was like, because you wanted me to run faster. I was like, the fuck up! I can't run any faster. <laughs> but I've done it. Yeah, I've done it to a lot of people and had a lot of people do it to me. So I get it. Yeah, and we had, you know, we had some better crossovers with our runner than others. So. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I mean, I all all things considered. Um, yeah. Dude, are so, you wearing, are you wearing your buckle? No, no, I do. Fin- I, finishers of Western States get a really cool, get a really cool belt buckle. We do. If you, if you run some 24, you get a cooler belt buckle. Exactly. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. I, I, I was not going to say that at all. 
And it's great because they it, they customize them individually and you get to sit in the 100 degree sun for like four hours waiting for them to finish it. You don't have Seriously? To, yeah. Oh, I, I would have wanted mine customized. Hell, I ran that long. I, can you like make a crew? <laughs> make one of your crew wait while no, I get it, your belt buckle finished? Yeah, you can. I mean, if you're close, you can get out of there. But we like Sophie finished it six in the morning mm-hmm. and we didn't have any place to go we were two hours away to our place mm. and or not that far but we just hung out and then it got anyways but they etch your name and your time in the back of the cool. buckle so yeah i mean cool. part of, part of it is you want to be there for golden hour right everyone wants yeah. to be there for golden hour it's, so what's golden sean what's golden hour so the race the race has a 30 hour cutoff. You have to finish within 30 hours. Golden hour is the last hour of that race. It's the last hour of any 100 miler, but in particular, Western States is known for having a pretty magical golden hour. And this it, year, I watch it was, every year, was fucking yeah. certainly no exception. I mean, the, the golden hour and the golden hour plus two was fucking well, amazing. Because what people need to understand if you're 30 hours in one second, you have officially it, that's a dnf like it's count as you did not finish um right. so people getting in under this cutoff is such a big deal it's it's huge it was oh. there were two there were two things there was one woman who was right right at the cusp who probably hit the track maybe with less than a minute i don't know Ooh. yeah was i think really, two, two minutes jesse was trying to do like the math in his head, if she was going to be able to do about it, because it's two, it's 250 yards around the track, but yeah. about a 300. He's like, I don't know if she could finish at 300. It was in the really, really close. She's just small woman. And you could see, we saw her, you know, come onto the track and trying to, and she was just like struggling to get it, to amp it up. But there were like 30 or 40 people running with her. Screaming Did she make yelling. it? Yeah. Oh, thank God. Okay. Okay. It was yeah. really it, cool. And it was then, it was wild. Yeah. So we were on the far side. So first off, Western States finishes in a high school football stadium, and it, you have to run about 250 meters around a track in this high school football stadium. And so everyone's kind of there afterwards, hanging out either in the bleachers or in the grass in the football field. Um, they're cooking breakfast, and I think they even changed over to lunch at some point. Um, everyone gets their awards after the race finishes. Like Sam says, they customize the belt buckles. They put your name and the date on it. Um, and they they have a presentation ceremony at the end where everyone that's cool gets their gets their belt buckle and Sean is you were feeling pretty shitty were you able to soak it in and realize like I just did this this is really cool I mean did you have that moment where you were able to enjoy it or did it yeah how how does that feel so um so at the finish Dude, it was I. I was done at the finish. My coach was at the finish. My family was at the finish. My kids ran around the track with me. Um, my crew ran me in from uh, Roby Point, and so I got to spend 
about a mile with my just my three pacers. Um, and it was a it was a slow mile because I did probably didn't run ten feet of it. Um, at that point, it didn't matter. The the twenty four hour was out the window. Um, and I was like I said, I was in, I was in rough shape coming across um, no hands bridge, pointed rocks, really from Quarry Road. Um, I was in in real rough shape, and so I got into the track and my kids were there. My pacers bailed out and my kids ran the track. I legitimately thought my kids were going to smoke me around the track. It took (laughs) everything I had to muster to like run. And then (laughs) my son is such a disaster. He was like, he was like falling behind his like jacket was like falling off of him. So I was like, come on, bud, you gotta come. Let's go. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, I got to, I got to run it in, um, I was afraid I was going to throw up when I crossed the finish line because I did try and run it around the track uh, as much as I could muster. You cross the finish line. They put a, a medal around your neck, which seems silly because you get a medal and then a belt buckle. They also gave you, like, a really cool shirt. That's nice. Uh, it's, I mean, the ra- Western States legitimately lives up to the hype. It is everything. It is everything and more that you could hope for. It is from all the pop and circumstance of the race itself. As far as like a trail race goes, especially a U.S. trail race, there's a whole lot of pop and circumstance to this race. It's not like it's not like the same as you know a Boston or. Or even, like I said, like UTMB, UTMB has a lot of pomp and circumstance to it. But for a U.S. trail race, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance. The quality of runners that are just mingling about at the start, at the finish, in the race is next level. I mean, the fact that at one point, so Camille Heron, who has the world record for, what is it like, most miles completed in 24 hours or something like that, and some she's other. Got 24 hours, she's back. Like, yeah. 48 hours or something. Some crazy. Yeah. I mean, she's got like legit world records. To be able to share a course with someone like that, mm. and then, right, like, it's not her, what what existed in that course is not her strong suit. So I passed Camille Heron, like, cause it's just not her, her wheelhouse in the snow. And then going into the canyons, she passed me back and I watched her run up, run up devil's thumb. Now, if you don't know what devil's thumb is, I can explain it to you like this. It is 800 feet of gain per mile switchbacks over two miles, essentially. It's about a mile and a half. And it's out of a, like, smoking hot canyon into, I mean, whatever, you're like at 4,000 feet or something at that point. But it switchbacks, like, 37 or 38 times, and it's right, they, like, are right on, stacked right on top of each other. And I watched her run up them, because I think it was her, like, last-ditch effort to make something happen. 
if she was going to make it happen. Jeez. But just the fact that she could run up it is fucking wild. Yeah. Yeah, for real. And yeah, then was, she dropped right. I think at Robinson Flat. I think she. Yeah. She dropped, and that was. And I for mean, our the, listeners, what mile is Robinson Flat? Sixty-two miles in. Forest Hill sixty-two. Robinson's fifty something. Right. What's the one on the roadway where you're running down the road? Is that Forest Hill? Forest Hill. Yeah. Yeah, that's where she dropped. I think. Okay. And uh, just that, so it was just another point there. We were pulling in to set up for Sophie, and um, and I look out the the, the um, there's a runner going down the road, and I turn you know look to look at it, and it's um, Courtney DeWalter who oh, yeah. was the female winner, and I think she was what was. She, what was she like fifth or sixth place overall? And yeah. she got the women's course record. I mean, she nailed it. So yes. So she's just running down the road with everybody out. Well, she was running by herself. She was probably doing, you know, seven and a half or eight minute miles at that point, because it's just flat pavement, just cruising along nice and easy, you know, just like not a care in the world. It was pretty cool to see her. And Sophie saw her, you know, before she was standing in line at the bathrooms before the race <laughs> even started. So, um, yeah, there's all kinds of these. I mean, it that's the cool thing about um, trail running is just everybody's equal at the start line and through the race, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's and the people you. It's, so. Uh, it might be 82-ish, whatever Quarry Road uh, aid station is. It's before Pointed Rocks, which is the last crew aid station you can see your crew at. Um, the aid station is put on by Hal Corner and his uh, running company. Now, Hal Corner has won Western States twice and is a legit legend in the sport and he's good friends with this guy i don't know if people know who he is his name's scott jurek um and scott has been out there the past two years um helping people at the aid station so legit two legends of the mm -hmm. sport and scott jurek is what i mean he is the probably the legend um right of ultra running as far as he was that in that goes. he was in the he was a central figure in that book born to run yeah yep. and mm -hmm. i think he won western states either five or seven times seven times i think yep as well so, as like other races i have a question for you sam so i'm thinking about you crewing um for sophie and I know that I remember when my oldest was running cross country and he would be on some of the courses that I was on and I'd be standing there as a parent watching my kid run and cheering him on. I have to tell you, there have been times at like cross country races I got choked up because I was just like so excited to see my kid running, you know, on these courses that I ran. Like, what does it feel like as a parent to crew your kid as she's doing this? I mean, 
it, it had to be awesome. It was, it was, it's cool. I mean, there's, um, I definitely got choked up at the end. Yeah. I think, um, you know, running around the track with her and running mm-hmm. it in. Um, I, I can't even I, imagine. Yeah. I wasn't bawling my eyes out like she was, but, uh, you know, which I've done that at mm-hmm. a couple of, of key races that I finished, but um, I didn't, it's, there's a lot of sort of pre-race anxiety, you know, and managing that type of thing. And, and Sophie and I have talked about this. I don't think I'm betraying anything, but um, sometimes the people that are closest to you, you treat, you know, not as great as you might treat the people that are like friends or that are a little bit more removed. And she going into it, you know, I, I totally get this. It's like she just was in her headspace, wanted to hang out with her friend Brian and just do their thing. And so that's that's cool. So for a lot of it th- through the race, really for us, for most of it, it was the logistics of um, getting to the different aid stations and really. uh it's interesting. The, the first aid station, I, it's a mile. It was at mile thirty that we could yeah, go yeah. to. Rob called. Was that Robinson Flat, the one way up in the mountain there? Yeah. Uh, ye, that is. Yes, I think that's Robinson Flat because you yeah. can normally do Duncan Canyon, right, and Last Chance and Robinson Flat, but you can't do all three of them, and then you couldn't do those two this year. Yeah. So the um, there were some limits on how to get around the course because they there was this they Sean talked about all the snow while there was flooding from the snow when it melt uh, or or water damage on the course. And then there was a fire last year, 15 miles of the course burned. And so coming into the spring, there was this Herculean effort to get the the trail squared away. So there were some limits as to where crew could go. And I think we were at like miles 30, 62, 77, and 95. Like we only made four stops. You didn't, you didn't go to Michigan Bluff? Between no, we skipped, we skipped that. We skipped that because Soapy had picked up Brian at, at mile... Um, 62, Forest Hill. 62, and she was like, I'm good. You guys just go meet me at Rucky Chucky, and then I'll be good until mile 95. Sure. So um, so we actually had it, it. Once you – so getting to Robinson Flat is a big production, a big production. You got to drive up halfway up a mountain park in this really sketchy area, get on these buses, and it's – you know, this it's really, really dry up there. So it's dusty. And we're up on, you know, where the aid station is, is up on this cliff. And, you know, it, it, it's pretty compact in terms of how they, they get all these crews in there. They, they have these big elaborate aid stations. And then, of course, you need room for the runners to come through the middle of it all. And we're just sitting there in the sun 
um, for a couple of hours waiting for people to come in. So it was exciting to see her at the first 30 miles in because that's like six plus hours in. And she was, she, you know, it was, I don't know if this happened for you, Sean, but she was about an hour behind where she wanted to be by the time she got there, just getting through the snow and sort of taking it easy and getting used to the, but that was, you know, that was exciting and that was emotional to see her for the first time and to, you know, be roughly on schedule with things. Um, but I think it really, I mean, it it really all came together at the end for all of us, you know, where it was, it was funny. She was all business at mile 30 and then she was, she was much chiller and happier as the race went on as sort of the, sort of some of the, okay, I'm started the race and I'm through the, the uh, snowy parts and I'm getting through the canyons and I'm doing, a, and you know, at, at some point you just kind of like, all right, I can, it may not be pretty, but I can do this. So. So what part, um, what part did you run with her? I ran the last five miles. Oh, okay. So it's. And yeah. And what was that like? <laughs> it was t- I mean, your baby, I can't even, I can't even, I'm trying to, I could understand this as a runner. I can understand it as a crew, but I can't wrap my head around running with one of my kids as they finish Western States. It just seems it's yeah. Well, it's, and again, Sophie and I figured this out where with the drawback for me being a pacer is we're so close, you know, mm-hmm. and there's, you know, there's, there's, it doesn't take much for like the composure just to fall away. If you're a runner, mm-hmm. and you're completely exhausted and you're, and you're, you know, at 95 miles, Sophie, Sophie ran pretty steadily till about 85 or 87 or 88 miles. And then she had both of her feet were bothering her. She got bruised on the metatarsals on the top of one and probably twisted her ankle or something on the other. And so she was hobbled. Um, so she was in a lot of pain. And so my job at that point is to not be like, ooh, you know, to dad, you know, it's like to come on, mm-hmm. let's go, let's keep moving. Let's, you know, and it's to be pretty poker faced at that point and not because she's, you know, she's just gutting it out at that point. And, um, and like, you know, I just fucking want to stop and sit down and, you know, have have something normal to eat. And uh, so it was, we moved a couple, you know, pretty well for a couple miles going downhill out of the, out of that aid station. And then it, it flattens out and we go over no hands, you know, by the time we're on no hands bridge, it's just all the last three miles, three miles were really all walking until we, we ran a little bit from Roby point down, but um, you know, it, it was painful she ran it in, I think, through around the track. But uh, yeah, it was, you know, it's just super exhilarating then when you're, when you can, you know, from Roby points a little over a mile out and you can hear the people at the track and you can hear them and I'm going, let's go, let's go. And she's like, meh, <laughs> you know, so it's, um, it was really cool. It was really cool to be there and be able to share it. 
I got up to the top of uh, the climb on off of Roby Point, like right. So you come off the trail and then right. you still have to climb up. And yeah. they that house was having a party up there, whatever, yeah. right? Like, and so so I get up there and I'm what I was like, can I sit in one of your chairs? And they're like, yeah, okay. Like I I couldn't even I couldn't even muscle it over the 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 freaking knob there and I get down. I was like, huh. Eh. Sophie was like, this fucking thing won't end. You know, it's just like every time you'd be like, you thought you could see it. And and you're like, it just keeps you turning corners and there's a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And 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 then it's all downhill, which is not a lot of fun to run at that point. No. So it's, yeah, for, um, for, those everybody, that, for those that don't, don't run, the downhills after you've run that long just tear the hell out of your legs. It's... It's really rough. But it is fun the last mile because you're just going through neighborhoods and every, you know, it's a thing there and people are having parties or they're out on the streets in front of their houses and they're cheering you on. And it's six, seven o'clock in the morning, you know, and they're out there and it's pretty cool. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. My crew and Pacers ran into different people at different aid stations. They're like, oh, who are you out here for? Like, is your runner coming through? They're like, we're just out here to have a good time. We're going to go to the next aid station. We're seeing like what the runners are doing, which is wild because that doesn't happen at trail races. It's so it's maybe really would wild. it be more accurate to say it's sort of like the Tour de France of of endurance running because you know you see those crowds and it's a party and yeah that's that's the visual I'm getting now. It's definitely like that. At, like at Forest Hill, is like cars are stretched out probably over at least a mile. Yeah. And people are just hanging out. And it's funny the day one, there was a pre-race meeting for the crew and we went to it and we were like, man, maybe, you know, maybe we'll learn something. We're always a little skeptical of these races, but, or these meetings. And besides just these two old dudes up front telling stories for most of it, they, they're like, you know, they're like, certain places they're like please only take one vehicle and and then they start asking all right how many have 10 people in your crew and we're like what 10 a couple hands go up and he's like how many people have 15 people in your crew and and you know maybe one or two hands and then He's like, how many people have 20 people in your crew? And, he, and there was no hands. He goes, I know there's people out there. There's always people with 20 people in their crew. So, I mean, they're just, people just get their friends just, you know, either flock to it or whatever. Because it is, um, I don't know if it's a once in a lifetime, but it's, it's um, you know, it's not a high frequency that people are getting into that race. So. So, Very cool. It was yeah. fun. I'm, I'm excited for both of you. I think it's awesome. Makes me happy. So, over this, I know I said like all everything about West Western states is is worth it. The I have never been on a course that has been prettier than that. I've run a lot of hundred mile races, and that is the prettiest course I've ever run on. Now I know <laughs> Hard Rock. I haven't run Hard Rock, so I don't know. Um, UTMB is probably also very pretty, uh, but that is a a gorgeous car. Like, 
up in the high series and like looking out and you're on ridgeline at points where you can look out fucking 30 miles on one side 40 miles on the other and it's snow-capped peaks and then in and out of these these canyons with these i mean beautiful overlooks of of stuff and the amount of trail work that went in it like chuck thornley and his volunteers did to make that course ready the trails were were amazing i mean there was there was shoveling snow so that you could get access to robinson flat like the the week of the of the the, the race there was um there was no deadfall across the trail there was nothing like the trails were effing immaculate as far as trails go um the burned out sections i know that for a lot of people that that have seen it before were probably pretty drastic but not having seen it before didn't look that bad to me i've been in some some real i've been in some some burned out trail sections and they've been way rougher than a lot of that stuff now it might have been because they've had epic snow and there's a lot of undergrowth already starting um every aid station you go into and this was our, i was told this before going out you essentially have an aid station volunteer concierge that's like let me do this what do you want what do you want let me take this i'll take care of this and i'll do this for you and like would literally do anything you want um it was legitimately wild uh, from from the beauty like i said the athletes that are there the party scenery you know you tack on a couple of days beforehand in in tahoe and in Truckee, and tack on a couple of days afterwards and it is it is it's everything everything you could hope for and more the reason this podcast makes me happy or one of the reasons is that I think it's it's seeing chasing your dreams come to fruition in different ways, you know, as a parent, as a coach <laughs> and, you know, as an athlete. I mean, Sean, how many years have you been doing ultras again? You said it at the beginning. Uh, really, I've been doing since 2013. Yeah, I mean, so that's. That's 10 years of, you know, of chasing your dream. And I think that's, I think it's really important for people to hear. Like, this isn't something that you guys just woke up and just did one day. I mean, this is run after run and workout after workout and nutrition and coaching and resting. And, you know, it's a lot goes into chasing your dreams. It's not like, oh, you know, it's not like you said, well, yeah, I didn't get into, I didn't get into the lottery. Oh, well, I guess I won't try again. You know, I mean, it's year after year of just chipping away at this and seeing it come to fruition for you, Sean, and for for Sam, like I said, as a parent, um, just has to be is is super cool. I'm happy for both of you. It's it's pretty cool to watch Sophie because I remember when she moved back home at age 22 or 23. I can't remember smoking cigarettes and you know just not a different type of lifestyle and uh kind of threw all that away and just went through a very gradual process 
uh, did a marathon the first year, 50K the second year. And, you know, I know these numbers sound crazy to people, but, you know, she was very deliberate in how she approached mm-hmm. it, but yeah. just to watch it all unfold, um, to culminate with this and um, it's pretty cool. And she was, I think she was the, you know, Sean talked about getting the tickets and your chances get better. I think she was the third youngest person in the race. Oh, really? She got in with just two tickets. So she was, um, there's a lot of people that have, I think, a little more experience with it. So I think, you know, all things considered, she did, she did great. Very cool. And uh, she had another friend who, uh, and there were three friends of hers that came out from Boston just to watch the race. And another, they run in this group together once a week. And there was this other guy that had been in their group and had moved away. And she saw him at, at the race and he dude was super casual about the whole thing. And he's like, Oh, I got some friends coming in from, san francisco and they're gonna crew and we're like are they runners too no none of them run and none of them have done any of this crewing thing before or anything he finished saw this picture of him with scott jurek you know side by side you know they snapped a picture while he was running finished at 21 and a half hours wow. you know and he's something like 28 or 29 years old unbelievable so he my coach coaches him Really, Sam? Yeah, that's cool. Well, that's a small world, guys. Yeah. As soon as, you, as soon as you start <laughs> saying, and this guy might come in from from San Francisco and this, yeah, yeah. My coach was like, hey, I'm going to go out to, to Western States. I'll see you there. I was like, oh, I didn't know you were going out. He's like, yeah, this kid that I've been training and coaching, Sam, is, is running his first Western, and he's pretty good. So... He's, he was incredibly, and like so positive the whole day. I mean, we stopped seeing him after a while because he was so fast, you know. But uh, yeah, it was nothing. I don't know if it was nothing, but I, yeah, I think it was his first 100 miler too. I think he had got in on 100K. Oh, yeah. You know, he, yeah. he got selected his first time in the lottery. So anyways, hmm. there are these Very cool. gift, gifted people out there. Well, congrats to both of you for very different reasons, but very cool. Why, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So as we wind up, Sam, there is a lot of internal talk about what song you would pick. I don't know if everybody else is as eager for your song, but uh, just tell (laughs) us what's been going on with you and why you chose this particular song and not maybe something that I suggested. And... uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, what are we listening to? It's all about my access to iTunes because I can't <laughs> do these things like that. Uh, yeah, I know the tune is Hunger Sight by Goose. It's like one of their most well-known songs, but this version, it's a band Sophie actually turned me on to over the last 18 months or so, and they're from Connecticut, which I'm mm-hmm. sure both of you appreciate, um, and they're They've just exploded in popularity. I'm get and I see them in a month um, in Boston, so I'm psyched about that. Oh, nice. Um, 
I was going to go with a Phil Lesh tune, but I couldn't, I couldn't figure that out on iTunes real quickly. So, um, but this hunger site version is from the salt Creek salt shed, salt shed in Chicago, which it just were a couple of awesome shows. So it's like 27 minutes long. So, <laughs> but they don't play any songs that are shorter than like 20 minutes anymore. I don't think, but Dude, which is great, <laughs> but you don't like fish. I've been, I've been trying. I listen to the fish XM station. Fish grows now. on you. Fish grows on you. I'm and telling I just, you. I can't tell any of the songs apart, but I appreciate the music. So I'm getting there. Okay. Bouncing around the room. That is my favorite. Bouncing around the room. It's bouncing around the room by fish is one of those songs that if I'm in a really bad mood, like just foul and you play that to me, I would still smile and get up and probably dance. It's, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of, reminds me of like high school times too. So, you know, going back many, many years. Yeah. Good memories. See, I, I, there's some great fish tunes from like, from Quintana Roo, was it last year? Great versions of like Ruby Waves. And yep. um, what's that? I like this Chalk Dust Torture. Is that right? Oh, yes. Chalk Dust Torture. That's a classic. Absolutely. So, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I'm a neophyte. I know they've been around for his, I mean, they always, I've heard um, Trey talk about this Grateful Dead concert that he saw at UVM and, you know, they played the greatest Scarlet Fire there. And I was like, I was there too. And so that was their inspiration. <laughs> of course you were. Of course I was. <laughs> All of us dinosaurs started at the same place. Well, I think, and I don't know this, somebody correct us, correct me. I say us, I'm the one saying this, but I think the fit, fish became popular in the 90s, right? I mean, they may have formed earlier, but they started gaining popularity in the 90s, I think. So, yeah. But anyway, your song is from Goose. So, yeah, we digress. That's what we do on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you guys, were pretty, you guys were pretty good in your storytelling. Very methodical. I was very impressed. Organized minds. I don't know if, if anything was methodical, Megan. Well, it came out that way. So just take the compliment. Say, yeah, I worked hard on it, Meg. <laughs> I planned it out, Meg. There you go. Thank I you. Ra I ran each one of those miles with this with this podcast in mind. That's right. <laughs> what am I going to say when Meg asked me this? No. Well, Sam, thank you for joining us again. It's always good. It's always good when you're on the pod. We will listen to 27 minutes. Yeah, let's go. Time? Okay. Great All right. jam in the last five minutes. Okay. All right. So we will uh, we will listen and enjoy, and I'll see you guys soon. All right. Take it Have easy. a good one. Later. Bye. Hey, everyone. I have a favor to ask of you. We need three things from you. It won't take any more than 30 seconds. If you like us, please go to wherever you listen to your podcast. So you could use Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Alexa, and we're on a number of other apps. But if you could follow or subscribe to us, this really helps you because you'll never miss an episode. And it helps us because you'll never miss an episode. Last thing, would you please leave us a five-star rating and a great review 
And if you share this with a friend, that's all we need from you. Thank you so much. We appreciate you all making this podcast a wonderful success. Taking on